0: Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 118, Psalm 118, we want to praise that which we love and we want others to praise that which we love as well. what do you love? What do you truly love? And one answer to that would be to look back on this week and think, what have you praised with your lips this last week? If there was a pie chart and there was a percentage of the time that you spent praising a particular thing, what would it be? what you have talked most praiseworthy about. And who of us here could say that it is God? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. may have thought it some throughout the week. We may have even said it some as we've taught our kids and raised them this last week. Psalm 118. This psalm was Martin Luther's favorite psalm. Luther called this psalm, His friend, worth more to him than all the honors and power of the whole earth. So keep that in mind as we read the words. It was a comfort to him through much adversity throughout his life. So Psalms 113 through 118, they're the Hallel Psalms, they're the Thanksgiving and Praise Psalms. They're recited during the three great festival times Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And this psalm was sung at the end of Passover. These psalms, the Hillel psalms, were recited during the new moon, during Hanukkah. They celebrate what God had done. And of course, like all the psalms, they point to Jesus Christ. But as we read, you'll see specifically why this one points to our Lord Jesus Christ. We see very similar language in both the Old and the New Testament, Listen to this from Ezra 3, before we read our psalm here. Now when the builders had laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord according to the directions of King David of Israel. They sang, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His lovingkindness is upon Israel forever." And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. King David is probably the author of the psalm. Calvin sure thinks so, but we aren't quite sure. As we read, you might think so as well. Indeed, it's partly about King David, but mostly about our Lord Jesus Christ, the coming Messiah, when this psalm was written. It's about a man who is appointed to a high position among God's people, and this champion finds himself rejected by friends, by countrymen, and his enemies are violent against him, but he has faith in God, he sacrifices to God, he thanks God, and God blesses him. So if you'll please stand once more for the reading of God's word. Psalm 118, this is the word of the Lord, and it is eternally true. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Oh, let Israel say, His loving kindness is everlasting. Oh, let the house of Aaron say, His loving kindness is everlasting. Oh, let those who fear the Lord say, you can say it with me real loud, His loving kindness is everlasting. Doesn't that sound good? You can imagine the whole nation of Israel just belting it out. From my distress, I called upon the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I will look with satisfaction on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I will surely cut them off. They surrounded me? Yes, they surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I will surely cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They were extinguished as a fire of thorns. In the name of the Lord, I will surely cut them off. You pushed me violently so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song, and He has become my salvation. The sound of joyful shouting and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I will not die but live and tell of the works of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely. But he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I shall enter through them. I shall give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous will enter through it. I shall give thanks to you, for you have answered me, and you have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, do save, we beseech you. O Lord, we beseech you, do send prosperity. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has given us light. Bind the festival sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I give thanks to you. You are my God, I extol you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. So, King David. Think about King David's life. Did David... Take the throne proudly by force. Quite the opposite, right? In fact, Saul at many times tried to kill David, and David had opportunity to kill King Saul, and he would not raise his hand against God's anointed. Did David have an easy life before or after being king? Very difficult life. He was a humble man, and he calls us, as he called the Israelites, he calls you and I this morning to praise and thank God. The godly man, as we begin this psalm, he's not content to be praising God just by himself. Sitting in a corner or sitting at home, he commands others to give thanks to God. So, right there in verse 1, he could have just as easily written, I give thanks to the Lord. But that's not what it says. Give thanks to the Lord. What an example. What a leader for us, right? This is about giving praise to God and calling as many people to praise God as possible. That's our work. That's our work as Christians here. And as we go out from here. Why give thanks to the Lord? Why does it say? Often, we think because of what he's done for us, right? Thank you because of what you've done for me. Because I'm worthy of all that you've done for me after all anyway. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. He is good. God is so very good to us. Of course we're to give thanks to him. Our gratitude is the only proper response to God's goodness. It's often in inner cities that you hear, God is good, and everyone responds, all the time, all the time, God is good. Call and response, right? And it sounds real hokey, it sounds real corny. But it's so true. What a promise that we should repeat to ourselves. It's not just because it's good that he's done to us and for us. It's because he is good. It's in his nature. He defines goodness. It's certain that he is good. He has, and it's not just that he has been good or just that he will be, but right now he is good. His loving kindness is everlasting, it says. The KJV says, some of you read KJV or New King James. His mercy endures forever. The Lord shows loving kindness and mercy forever. Why do we need God's mercy in particular? Because we fine-looking people here this morning, we are miserable sinners. Without his mercy, he would have wiped us out long ago. Because of our sins, God could have destroyed us all completely, just like he did with the Israelites, or rather wanted to. But he's very merciful. He's compassionate. Verse two, oh, let Israel say. So tell me about Israel. If you were to define the nation of Israel, what they did, what they were like, again, God would have had every reason to wipe them out at many points. The nation of Israel was a stubborn, rebellious, and ungrateful people. They had every reason to thank God, as we do, They had every reason to be grateful to God. They were in slavery, and even there he provided for them. God draws them out of slavery. They're they're not even out of sight, and they're complaining, wanting to go back into slavery. During the plagues in Egypt, God protected them and blessed them. He multiplied them in Egypt. When God is giving them... His law, the Ten Commandments, they totally, totally debauched themselves at the foot of Sinai. And God was ready to wipe them out. And what happens? Moses intercedes. Moses mediates. And Moses is concerned about God's reputation. Don't destroy all these people, because then everyone back in Egypt is going to say that you brought them out here to slaughter them. God was ready to make a new nation out of Moses like he had with Noah and Noah's family. Israel, the nation, is called here to testify of God's everlasting loving kindness. They had every reason to be grateful and to thank him. Israel was constantly sinning against God. They repented, and God had compassion on them. He is a compassionate God. Dads, moms, do you always lead your kids with perfect compassion and mercy? If God was as quick to anger as we are with our kids, we wouldn't be here. I'll say that. If you had a a video showing how quick-tempered you are over certain things. Often it's the things that just inconvenience you that, that your children do. But we, in fact, have sinned far greater against God than our children have sinned against us. And he has been far more compassionate. He is slow to anger and quick to forgive us and have compassion. I preached this to the men at the Claremont County Jail yesterday, and Christian men, there, there are some Christian men there, and a couple of the Christian men, they know God's goodness, but one of them, he's been in jail, in and out of jail his whole life, and almost doesn't even know what life would be like outside. In fact, he said, it's almost easier for me to live as a Christian here in jail than it is outside. It's so easy to fall back into the same sins. It's often drugs. And he was really struggling. He's been—he was raised in a Christian family, and he's been a Christian as far as he can remember. He was really struggling, knowing that God would forgive him because he knows God is merciful. But he continues to fall into sin. Continues to fall into sin. And he said. Hell is where I where I belong. Hell is where I deserve to be. That's where I, that's where I should end up, actually. And God's grace, His compassion, is for a man just like that who realizes where he belongs in hell because of his sins. And it is not anything that we can attain. It's not anything that we can achieve for ourselves. We want we want to build a system of religion that will save us, that will make us right with God, he, he's not going to have it. He's not going to have it. He will have grace and compassion on who he will so that he gets all the glory. That's the house of Israel. Now verse 3. Oh, let the house of Aaron say, his loving kindness is everlasting. So what was Aaron responsible for, and why should he testify of God's love? Why should the house of Aaron praise God? God gave them permission to come near to him in worship. They saw and were involved with the sacrifices. They saw and heard the sins of the people regularly. They saw the blood that had to be spilled. For the sins of the people, and they saw God's mercy and forgiveness all the time. Verse four: Oh, let those who fear the Lord say, "His loving kindness is everlasting." Why does the Bible say there is forgiveness with God, so that He may be? So that he may be feared. There's forgiveness in no one else. There's no system that you can set up to have forgiveness because of your sins and because of the sins of your father, Adam. So there is forgiveness with God so that we can continue to give ourselves to sin, no, so that he may be feared. And if there's one thing that's true about America, and in particular the church in America, There is no fear of God before our eyes. And throughout the Bible it's described, there was no fear before their eyes, fear of God before their eyes. So what did the people do? Every man did what was right in his own eyes. We do what's right in our own eyes. We do what feels good. Who cares about the consequences? But there is forgiveness with God so that he may be feared. And now the psalmist becomes very personal. We see that he prays to God out of his pain. And usually when we're in pain, our prayers become very honest. You see what's really going on with us. Hear this, starting in verse 5. From my distress I called upon the Lord. Did God listen? When he was in his distress, the Lord answered me, and not only that, he set me in a large place. Notice, Christians are men and women who are distressed because of their sin. They know their sin in light of God's holiness, and they feel the weight of his wrath and judgment. I know when we have the prayer of confession, when we come in in the morning and we kneel out of humility, out of submission to God, it's a difficult time in the worship service. It's a difficult time in the week. We're so proud, but it is a time of relieving that weight. Like Pilgrim in Pilgrim's Progress with the, the great weight of sin on his shoulders. We're crying out to God the sins that we have committed, that we've given ourselves to this last week, and the sins that we've given ourselves to even this morning. That weight is a weight that is too much for us to carry. And so what a gift that every Sunday we can come together, we can confess our sins and have forgiveness in Christ. We call out and the Lord answers and sets us in a large place. And every Christian, we do that. We confess sin. It's a rare gift that we have readily available to us because of our gracious God. Verse 6 says, The Lord is for me, so therefore I will not fear. What can man do to me? The God who made the universe, who made everything that we see, that God is for me. Little old me. I don't matter to him. But I do. He is for me. He cares. So I will not fear man. Men have no hold on me. Our trust is in the Lord, not in man. The creator of the universe is for me. The Lord is for me among those who help me. We have a cloud of witnesses around us. Look at this group this gathering here that we have. We have a cloud of witnesses that is for me, for my encouragement in this, in this difficult walk through this life. The Lord is for me among those who help me. I will look with satisfaction on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. We live in a nation that, in many ways, our princes have turned from the Lord. May he bring our princes to repentance and faith. Pray for it. Pray that God will remove wicked princes, wicked rulers, and install godly men who love him. Look at verses 10 through 12 with me. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I will surely cut them off. They surrounded me, yes, they surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I will surely cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They were extinguished as a fire of thorns. In the name of the Lord, I will surely cut them off. What's consistent with those verses? What do you read three times? In the name of the Lord. You didn't hear it. Joseph was probably saying it at the top of his lungs. (laughs) Sounded like a whisper up here. In the name of the Lord, I will surely cut them off. So often we try to fight our sin and defy our enemies in my name. Don't you know who I am? But remember, as we read about with David and Goliath, Goliath was so bold against David He knew that he would defeat David and all of Israel, right? What happened? Little old shepherd boy David came in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he cut that giant's head off with his own sword. It can't be in our name. It has to be in the name of the Lord. A strong tower. You might remember in Acts, listen to this account, a demon overpowers certain men. It's a terrifying account. Listen to this account in Acts 19. But also some of the Jewish exorcists, do any of you kids know what an exorcist is? Someone who casts out demons. Demon, that's pretty terrifying, right? Who went from place to place attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches, seven sons of one Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit answered them and said to them, I recognize Jesus and I know about Paul, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known to all, both Jews and Greeks who lived in Ephesus, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. That's pretty terrifying. And Jesus' name was magnified. In the name of the Lord, friends. Verse 14, the Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. The sound of joyful shouting and salvation is in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I will not die but live and tell of the works of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely. We'll come back to that. The Lord is his strength and his song. Isn't that sweet? It's a wonderful, wonderful thing to testify to. The Lord is my strength and my song. What is in the tents of the righteous? What is in you, your house, you who are righteous? The sound of joyful shouting, the sound of salvation. If you know your neighbor's, you know that there is a lot of pain and misery and suffering in the homes of our neighbors, right? The families of believers are happy because the Lord has done valiantly in those homes. And so we give Him thanks. And so we testify to Him of His works to those in our lives. The Lord is mighty. His right hand is held up to protect his people, and to destroy the enemies of his people. We tell of the works of the Lord. He has done wonderful things in our lives. He has done it, and so I will tell of his works. But then verse 18, what does verse 18 say? The Lord has disciplined me severely. We don't at first like that, do we? Nobody likes discipline. We know you kids don't enjoy the discipline. Neither do dads and moms. Don't let us fool you. As a father disciplines his son, whom he loves, so the Lord disciplines us. And he often disciplines heaviest the one he loves most. But that's not all. He has not given me over to death. He hasn't crushed us, but He's disciplined us. He's pruned us, but He hasn't uprooted us. We might complain, oh, it sure feels like death. But He has not given us over to death. Verse 19, open to me the gates of righteousness. I shall enter through them. I shall give thanks to the Lord. And we're going to finish the psalm here as we continue to testify about the work that the Lord Jesus Christ did. This should sound very familiar. This psalm is a very often psalm quoted in the New Testament. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous will enter through it. I shall give thanks to you, for you have answered me, and you have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice, as Pastor McNeely called us to with his singing. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, do save, we beseech you. O Lord, we beseech you, do send prosperity. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God and he has given us light. Bind the festival sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I give thanks to you. You are my God, I extol you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Matthew, Luke, Acts, Ephesians, 1 Peter, Revelation all testify to these verses. Jesus, in his typical offensive way, did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? says to the religious leaders, it's marvelous in our eyes. Jesus looked at them, what is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. Acts, he is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders. There is salvation in no one else. Listen to Ephesians 2. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself, being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. That's this body. Christ is the cornerstone. And this group is being built up along with the saints around the world into a beautiful building for his glory. Children, you're part of that too. 1 Peter 2, And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Does it feel like you're sacrificing for God? I know you are. It should feel like that. Because that's what we're called to do. We're called to sacrifice for our God. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone, a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. And, of course, the prophets... And the Gospels also testify about our coming Savior, Jesus Christ. Shout, your Lord is coming to you. Shout triumphantly. This champion, who you have forgiveness in, Jesus Christ, he is coming. And in closing, verse 29, we end right where we began. So this would have been a loud song. And we're going to sing a psalm here soon, and it's beautiful. This psalm, if you guys listen to the podcast's monumental, Valerie Killingsworth died of cancer recently, and this psalm that we're going to sing, she said, was her favorite and most comforting psalm. So with this psalm, 118, there would have been a lot of instruments, a lot of singing, and it builds to a crescendo. Kids, have you heard... the word crescendo, probably kids of music parents know, it builds louder and louder. It builds up to this verse, Psalm 118, verse 29. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. It builds to this climax, the people of God would have gotten louder and louder testifying that He is good. So, Before we pray, let's say it one more time together. Verse 29, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Let's pray.